This podcast could potentially have adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly the possibility of sexual content. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, Drinking With Authors fans. We have some pretty big news from your host here, Erica Lance. We are moving to change the format of the show to be one episode. So there's a few episodes that record the old way that we're doing the new way. And that's what you're listening to. So thank you. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And we love having you as fans. On to the show. Welcome to Drinking with Authors. I'm your host, Erica Lance. My amazing co-host today is the always beautifully colored Bo Lake. <laughs> I love it, by the way. Thank There's you. purple now. It's not just blue, it's purple. Yeah. So for those not watching, fancy. And our guest today is the incomparable AJ Super. Welcome. Welcome. Oh, Thank you. Incomparable, really. <laughs> We're going to go with that for now. We'll see by the end of this whether or not I change my mind on that. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's terrible. Okay. Let's talk about what we're drinking. So I am drinking um, whiskey, and I've got this thing. I almost put gin in it, and then I actually read the label. So Fever Tree has a new blood orange ginger beer. Ooh. So I didn't realize it was ginger beer. I was like, blood orange. I thought it was just, you know, blood orange. I was going to put gin in it, but I put whiskey in it. And it's in my um, down the rabbit hole, Alice in Wonderland. I think this is supposed to be a scotch glass, but I don't give a fuck. Anyway, that's what I'm drinking. And some lime ginger Nixie water to balance it out because one must be balanced. But what are you drinking, my friend? God, do you think Nixie Water would give us a sponsorship by now with all the Nixie Water you're drinking? Oh, there's so many people that should be sponsored. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think we should be sponsored by Starbucks because I always have a Starbucks on this podcast. Um, So today it's a dirty chai. See the dirty chai? Mm, It's so so good. I'm so (laughs) glad. So so what exactly makes it dirty? There's a espresso in it. It's so good. Mm, I think my my husband is a really big fan of chai and that's what he that's like his drink from Starbucks so that sounds really yummy and if you want to do a naughty chai you then I, I came up with the naughty chai so I will in an iced one you can put cold brew in it so cold brew chai yeah, because you can buy that chai mix from Target, I think, like the Tazo chai mix. So I do oh. cold brew, Kahlua, <laughs> Bailey's, and then the chai mix. And that's a dirty, naughty chai. Dirty, naughty chai. Mm. <laughs> I, I'll level up these things like nobody's business. It's crazy. Mm. So, <laughs> okay. Um, what are you drinking, AJ? Yeah, I was going to say my turn. Well, yeah. I have a choice between two drinks because I have friends that make book tales. Um, they're cocktails themed with, for the book and, and generally they, um, kind of match the cover a little bit. So there's this one and this one. Well, we need to be introduced to these people, book tales. I wonder what kind of cocktail I'd get out of my books. Oh, wow. So what is this? What is in both of these cocktails? Okay. So the orange one is a Mezcal Negroni. Okay. It has sweet vermouth. Uh, one part, one part uh, Campari and two parts Mezcal with a dash of bitters and an orange peel to um, 
make you fancy. Really fancy. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. And then this one, I don't have a name for because it was um, created specifically by a friend for my second book, A Star Reborn. And it's uh, Laird's Apple Brandy, Campari, and a splash of bitters with uh, blue ice cubes made out of uh, pea flower tea. You are like level up. You got to send me these drink recipes so I can post them with the stuff on the episode. I will. Yeah. But I think you should call that the being reborn because that's ridiculous. That's in. And it's so good. I have a love of um, Chambord now that that is just unparalleled. Like I will pair it with everything. (laughs) I did that for a while. I over Chamborded myself. I'm going to be honest. It's I because I was drinking it straight for a while on the rocks because it gets the it's it's it tastes kind of like blueberries like it, it's it's isn't it a blackberry liqueur or something yeah it's blackberry but it, yeah like it's a berry so it's actually really good it's just really sweet it's kind of like if you overdo Southern Comfort because Southern Comfort is really really sweet and I think a lot of us in our teenage years have a soak SoCal story. Mm. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. Um, Hashtag can't drink story. that anymore. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I just no. smell Southern Comfort, and I'm like, oh, oh, now I'm being transported in time. What the hell's happening? <laughs> Not in a good way. Yeah. yeah. No, it's crazy. Okay. So, God, we're even distracted by drinks, but that is super exciting. I want to meet the people who come up with drinks for stuff because. I will send them many books to come up. With I will definitely books. email you contact information. Please do. Cause I'd absolutely love that. The show seemed around it. Um, so for those in the audience that may not know you, what do you write? I write science fiction, specifically space opera. Um, and that's what my uh, trilogy is. And right now I only have the two books out, but hopefully crossing my fingers by the end of this year, my third book will be out. Um, and uh, if not, it'll be the beginning of 2024. Very and, cool. Very cool. When did you start this madness? Uh, this These particular books started in 2019. Okay. I started writing full-time um in 2014 wow yeah and i and and i have a couple of books trunked um that's just kind of what happens but uh um i've gone back and edited my favorite one and it's out on um i'm querying it right now to see if i can't get an agent but i've also sent it to a couple of small publishing houses that i really like some independent publishers Mm -hmm. and i'm crossing my fingers that um, somebody likes it. So when you say you were writing, for what were you writing full-time in 2014 then? Um, a book called Beneath Green and another book called Viridescence. Okay. The, those are the trunked books. They'll probably get uh, title changes eventually. Okay. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. Um, but uh, in 2019, I came up with this idea about a space pirate who also has um, AI in her DNA that gets activated. So she becomes like a human AI hybrid. And it's um, the whole trilogy is a um, villain origin to redemption story, but it's about family and identity and to some extent religion and um, what, uh, what, 
what's the word I'm looking for? I haven't even had a drink yet. And I, can't I was going to say, are you, are you picking up on my, my drinking vibe? Cause look, I'm halfway done. It's fine. Oh, here, let me, let me have a drink. Cheers. of Miss uh, Cal Negroni. Oh my goodness. Um, if you guys are listening and you haven't seen this video, you guys have to watch this video because those <laughs> drinks are beautiful. So, well, AJ's entire background is beautiful. Yeah. Like, I'm, um, I'm, I'm all yeah, I was debating whether or not to do like an actual background or just like show off stuff. No, I'm glad you showed off stuff. The reason Bo's background is blurred is because she is not going to show off what's behind. No, her. no. <laughs> it's a mess. It's a mess. Yeah, yes. normally that's what I do is just blur my background. Um, I did do recently do a panel for a conference called Right Hive where they made a background for me. And that's like the first time I've ever used a background in my Zoom life. And I've been doing Zoom since COVID in 2020. <laughs> so I used to do not for this podcast because lazy um, mainly. Uh, I used to do a lot of backgrounds at my job to be funny. Like I do um, like Death Star <laughs> backgrounds and stuff when just because I worked in HR, I had to lighten the mood. So like when people, when I said, Hey, I want to talk to you instantly, the person thought they were in trouble or being fired. It was never the case. Cause I didn't ever actually fire people. So when I say, I want to talk to you, I was always like, I don't know why you think you're being fired by me. I don't do the firing. Now, if this person reaches out to you, you should pack your shit. Like, HR is still like going to the principal's office. It is, and it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. Well, I take that back. Some places it absolutely should be. I was you not. Can that be, way. You can be a little scary, Erica. Like you're intimidating. I, I've heard that. I've heard that I can be very intimidating, <laughs> which is very funny to me because if you get to know me at all, Bo, you have to admit, getting to know me now, you kind of go, yeah, "Why the hell would yeah. anybody be intimidated by yeah. her?" Because I'm like a child. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, we're getting sidetracked. Back to your books. So you st- what made so ah so many questions at the same time. Um, your first books, how were they published? My um, these are my first published books. Most writers write a couple of books before they get picked up by an agent or a publisher, and have books um, like in their back pocket. I wasn't sure if those first two books you talked about, if you self-published them. I was actually thinking about it if I don't get interest from from independent publishers. Um, the There's one that needs a lot of rewrites, um, but uh, Beneath Green, um, it's about an alien girl uh, during an invasion by humans. Oh, wow. And it's her um, her story of survival. I like that. No, that and, sounds pretty. Yeah, story. it's a lot of fun. And it's it's really the book of my heart. But these books are, I had so much fun writing these books. I so, so how are those published? Um, Athon Books, a traditional small publisher, uh, picked me up in 2019. Um, I, well, actually, 2000, end of 2019, because I started writing these in the end of 2018 like Christmas time. Okay. And um, it was really crazy because I had a couple of other publishers that were interested too, small publishers, nothing like spectacular. Okay. But, um, 
Athon really um, gave me a family vibe and they have walked me through everything. They answer questions. And um, so I, I decided to go with them, even though they wanted me to cut 10,000 words and <laughs> rewrite the entire first act. <laughs> so hard. Oh, it you're, was you're, you're causing me my blackout rage right now because <laughs> um, as we hate that, we hate that. I hate that. Yeah. Um, you know, because I think, you know, it's one thing. Um, if you are not a strong writer and it's somebody who's taking a real big gamble and is like, Hey, we need to tighten up this blah, blah, blah. But if you're a strong writer and they go, Hey, we need to do this. I kind of go, Hey, no, you don't get to rewrite that author's story. The thing is, is once the problems were pointed out to me, I was like, why hasn't anybody seen this until now? I was like, this is absolutely spot on. This is why my book hasn't gotten any traction until now. And these people see my vision. Well, then that's good. I just, ugh, so against rewriting stuff. Because you I know, think a lot of times it changes stories. I mean, I guess that's, you have a really good experience, which is kind of awesome because not everybody has that experience, but Yeah. Yeah. And and I know people um, with my publisher who didn't have great experiences, but, you know, they have been nothing but amazing for me. Come like 2021, I started getting COVID. I got really sick. Then I had some family issues and I couldn't get the third book done when they wanted it done. And they have given me so much grace. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And so I just, I, I adore the people at Athon Books. They no, have been amazing. They, they've, they've given me what I need as, an, as a beginning writer. In, and that's amazing. And I'm super excited for you that that's the case. Because again, that is not always the case. <laughs> no, it's not. And I know people with um, big publishers who have had really, really rough times. Well, I think one of the biggest things in the publishing world, which is something we want to change, right? As a publisher and also just as an author and as somebody who's in the publishing world podcast-wise and stuff like that, we have to change this narrative that authors should feel anything less than a creative as part of their process. And yes, you become a business. So if you go into this, think you're going to find a publisher that's going to do all your advertising, all this other stuff, that is not the case. But if you understand that, you should find a publisher that takes your work and loves your work for what it was and maybe um, nudges you a little bit in some directions, meaning like, hey, this sentence ended and it didn't end the paragraph or your character disappeared from page one to page three. What the hell are you doing with that? Little things that as authors we don't see because the story's on the page as we see it in our brain and not actually what's written. Mm -hmm. We're really good about like, Oh, we're missing that entire. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. But I think when I hear that people want to change stories or, hey, we love this story. Can you change your protagonist from a female to a male? And you're like, no. no that changes a whole storyline. And yeah. to be honest, my first editor with Athon changed an entire character. Ooh. Oh. And it was um, like secondary developmental edits. So it was um, 
it wasn't it was supposed to be more you know line edits and um and little things like finding plot holes and things like that not not changing a character like he changed a dishwater blonde to a redhead and wow. it was like how did I, I don't know how you got because i'm very explicit when i describe my characters like most authors are yeah right? Yeah. Um, I don't know how he got a redhead out of this and he like cut a whole character. And I was like, no, I need to have that character because I plan on bringing that character in in book three in in a very important way. So. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, that's the other thing is just because somebody is an editor doesn't mean they're the best at everything they do. Yeah, the editor I have now is amazing. Like she has guided me through like all sorts of little plot hole problems. She um catches my repetitive word use and phrase use, which all authors have that piccadilly, piccadillo, oh, yeah. piccadillo, something like that. <laughs> um is it piccadillo? I don't even do you're you're asking. I think so. I think so. That <laughs> sounds right to me. That sounds I don't right. Know. Mine I is realized. It. Everybody realizes things. So yeah, they realize this. They re- now when I go to type that word, there is like a shock button in my brain. It's like nobody realizes things, Erica. The right word. So yeah. Um, you froze a little that time. Oh, yeah, I was frightened. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. Welcome to the internet in the mountains. Yeah, <laughs> I'm very lucky that um, that we have a really good internet here, um, even though we're in the mountains in Idaho. So no, that is fantastic. I, I'm jealous. My internet is good at times, and then other times like this, it goes, hey, like I can go an entire time, no problem. Then all of a sudden it'll be like, just kidding. Just to remind you, you're in the mountains and this is your internet. Hello. You know what? <laughs> it's my always a mom... recording, too. It'll stop working. It works fine all day. And then we turn the record button on. doesn't work anymore. Yeah. My in-laws, they used to live out a canyon that's like literally five minutes away from town and had absolutely no internet whatsoever. They had to use hotspots from their cell phones and the cell phone coverage was eh. so you you get to admire your DVD collection at that point in time. <laughs> they had a very, very large DVD collection. I have to say, honestly, with all the streaming services, I find a ton of movies I haven't seen in like forever, which is great. Right. Mm-hmm. But like I found we're getting so off topic. Welcome to the show. Um, the movie Dogma. By Kevin Smith. I love, I love that movie. I love that movie. Did you try looking it up on streaming? It's not. Why? It's not there. Because the guy um, who went to jail, Harvey Weinstein, who owns that movie, won't let it get released. So there's even no new DVDs. If you try to go buy the DVD for Dogma, it's like 50 bucks. Yeah. I'm very happy I have a DVD of Dogma. I think <laughs> me too. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't, we have a fairly extensive um, library of DVDs that we actually had to cull a little bit when we moved back to Idaho from Kansas. And um, I think we have Dogma because it was one of those that we couldn't, you know, replace or stream or, 
yeah but our our dvd collection is like mostly horror because um yeah i love no no mine is mine is that and rom-coms um because i like my guilty rom-com and teenage movies i have every john hughes movie but um i will say for those listening before you get excited and go i can get rid of my dvds i have all these streaming or i haven't touched them look up to see if those movies are actually available anymore because yeah. some of them just are not available. And it was very weird to find that out on that particular movie. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go check after this, by the yeah. way. <laughs> <laughs> goes right go check on like, what are you doing? She's like, I was on a podcast. I have to check her DVDs immediately. I want to know how many people have paused this podcast to go look at their DVD <laughs> collection. But, like, oh, God, is Dogma still here? I I still have like hundreds of CDs. I don't need them because they're all on like Spotify. Excuse me. But I still have them. I have them in big books now with the zippers. Exactly. All the DVDs. Actually, not Dogma for some reason. I have a stack that I didn't put in cases yet, but I moved all my DVDs and stuff like that to little books. I realized because we moved up to the mountains and besides looking for movies like dogma and stuff, there's been like a handful that I couldn't find online. And so I went looking for the DVD, but I haven't touched those besides very specific. Like I want to watch this and then having to go find it. I have not touched those. Plus I can't bring myself to buy a movie. If I know I already have the movie, like Mm. I have it, I can't go bring myself to buy it. So I was like, it sucks. Now, but, you know what? I have been on an anime kick lately. Oh, like, really? Yeah, on Hulu of all places. But um, there's this one that I'm watching right now. I just finished watching Fruits Basket, which is like simultaneously heartbreaking and uplifting. And, you know, if you've watched it, you totally know. I have not. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, it's about the um, Japanese Zodiac. Oh. And um, this girl who breaks the curse, basically, of the Japanese Zodiac. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's really, really great. And it's a slice of life thing with a spec fic kind of bent. And it's, oh, okay. it's it's really it's totally worth watching if you if you can manage to watch it on Hulu, um, since you know your internet is yeah. <laughs> well, well, because like literally m- most of the time, ironically, it's totally fine. It it just happens to be not at this time, but it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yes. So the one I'm watching right now is called Spy X Family, and it's about a spy who has a um, mission that requires a family. And he goes to a, um, a, not an adoption agency, but but a um, orphanage. Orphanage, thank you. And he picks up this girl who is clearly not the age she sh- she says she is. And um, she's also telepathic. So she knows everything about his secret. 
that he's keeping, that he's a spy. And then eventually he picks up a wife and it's a fake-ish relationship. I think that it'll probably end up being less than fake in the end because that's the trope, right? Um, And she is an assassin. And the little girl knows because she can read everybody's minds. Oh, wow. And it's, it's like this throwback to the 50s 60s kind of spy versus spy kind of thing and um and it's just so much fun like it doesn't take itself seriously and at the same time there's really kind of quite high stakes because it's the peace of the world that these people are all fighting for oh wow it's it's amazing i love it like it's it's definitely up there with fruits basket in my uh in my opinion so one of one of our co-hosts valerie has been watching that she's been telling me about it that's yeah. awesome no she's yeah i part of my problem sometimes is the the noise the characters make i can't some of the voices noise. i i can't do the squealing and the yelling yeah. My husband has a problem with that as well. And if you don't like that, you probably won't like Fruits Basket. It's, it's hard because I love the stories. It's just the certain voices. And this is true with some cartoons too. Like it's not just those kind of cartoons. It's also like US based cartoons and stuff. The voices sometimes I'm like, oh, you know, this is terrible. So, no, um, there's a lot of screeching in the first season of fruits basket with the cat the cat okay so no no i'm gonna (laughs) so so that's probably not for you (laughs) no i would say no okay well we'll, we're gonna ask a question before we have to go to break since we get so sidetracked here it's like squirrel um who would you cast as the lead characters in your book oh you know what i always forget her name um there is this actress um called her name is jamie i don't remember her last trying to think of all the jamies yeah she was in um oh and i'm and i'm trying to google a little bit but uh i am totally losing the this is what happens when you drink, by the way. Your brain freezes. Is she young or old? Words. Um, she's younger. She has short brown hair. So, um, Jamie. And I said actor instead of actress in my search. Jamie Presley. Jamie Young. <laughs> and, and you know who came up? Is like when I said short brown hair actress um, for best celebrity haircuts of all time is the girl that played Padme. But oh, she's not Natalie right. Portman. Yeah, Natalie that's- Portman. Um, oh, there we go. Uh, Jamie, Jamie Alexander. King? Jamie Alexander. Oh. What was she in? Um, let me look. I love this. <laughs> such such good podcast 
She was in Blind Spot and uh, the last. Yes, yes, and, Blind Spot. That's the big one. And Kyle XY apparently back in the day. Way back. Oh, in and the Thor: day. The Dark World. Yep, she's in things. She she is in things. <laughs> but I, 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 I love, love her look. This entire Thor conversation is. that's happening. I love IMDBing things. My husband hates it because we're watching a movie and I'm like looking up the trivia for the movie and I'm like, did you know? And he's like, can you just focus for five um, minutes? I'm like, no, but did you know this? Do you happen to have ADHD just out of curiosity? I don't. I don't. You don't? That I because of. that's totally something that my husband does <laughs> because of his ADHD. He is absolutely obsessed with movie trivia. I love movie trivia. So like and and I always I always have a little fact for every movie. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> hey listeners, you know me, Eric Lance. You're just listening to me in the podcast that you had, but guess what? I'm doing something new. Yeah, she's joining me, Mark Muncy, the author of the Erie Florida book series in Erie Appalachia, and we are hosting a new podcast called Eerie Travels. Woo-woo, Eerie Travels, which covers things like ghosts, cryptids, weird stuff, UFOs, men in black, all kinds of fun things that people talk about and I'm sure you've discussed with friends. Yep, and you can listen to us on your favorite podcast platform or choice or find us at eerietravels.com and join in the fun and all the spooky goodness. And of course, Mark, what do we always say? We'll see you on the other side. I have a question. Okay. <laughs> if we if we steer back to books, Whatever. what got you into sci? <laughs> what got you into sci-fi? Oh my goodness! My grandma got me into sci-fi. Um, I started reading sci-fi and fantasy when I was like knee-high to a grasshopper. And um, it's all because of my grandma, my mom's mom, um, Bobby, and she was a science fiction fan and a fantasy fan. So I read Mercedes Lackey, Ursula Le Guin, um, who else? Oh, Octavia Butler at like a very young age. Like I was I was barely a teenager and I was reading that stuff. And it was just amazing. I love it. Oh, Anne McCaffrey too. Um, oh, I love Anne McCaffrey. Yeah, and I and I adore. I absolutely adore those authors, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what started me on my sci-fi journey. Um, I am a big Star Wars fan, and if you saw the um, surroundings right now, um, like in front of me, I have like those eight-inch Star Wars dolls. Mm-hmm. Like some Leia's and a storm. Uh, it's actually a snow trooper to be specific. Oh, from Hoth. Um, and some like Hoth uh, costume main characters like Leia and Han. And then I have a signed Lando Cal- Calrissian. Ooh. Ooh, Billy D. Williams. Yes. I got to see him at a very small con in... Um, I'll have to ask my husband, but it was in a small town in Kansas that considers themselves the um, the 
land of Dorothy and Oz. Mm. So um, I, I like they consider themselves the origin of that story. And it's really, really cool. But it was like the smallest con ever. And um, Billy D. Williams and um, the lady on um, Arrow that plays the um, daughter of Ra's al Ghul. Mm, yeah. Um, I know she, who you're talking about, but I don't remember her name. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she was there. And it was just, it was just a really interesting time. Like I, I hadn't quite discovered that I was queer yet. And I had this really bizarre conversation with the lady that played Razal Ghul's daughter about being um, alternatively lifestyled and alternatively sexed because yay, Kansas. And I didn't understand what I was talking about or who I was or <laughs> anything like that. So if she remembers me, it's because of that. <laughs> Very problematic conversation. I, I love that. I think so, that makes it fun. Well, it was it was very interesting because also I didn't realize that Billy D. Williams is Jewish, and he was I didn't wearing, know that. Yeah, he was wearing a um, a Jewish symbol on his um, necklace, and I asked mm -hmm. him what it was about. And my husband, who is who is Jewish, um, or at least his family is, was like, "Well, I know what that is. Why don't you know what that is?" <laughs> White. Catholic, <laughs> repressed, <laughs> um, wow. and it was just a really like it was a really interesting con. Like, just it's always funny when you go to those kind of cons where it's like very, very like middle America. Because Eric and I went to Ohio for a con, and it was so weird selling like smutty romance books people in ohio because there's like rules about what yeah. you can and can't sell and we'd be like you want you want to see some books like <laughs> <laughs> what, are, what you know, are you looking for you know um i went to awp in 2020 in march of 2020 just before everything shut down mm -hmm. and um we had a couple authors um we we had a we had a no sale kind of we couldn't sell things um booth and we had some authors going hey do you want to buy my book <laughs> and they would totally did it just under the table so well, but, we, but we found these cute little post-its that look like t-shirts now to put over because yeah. <laughs> they, they you couldn't show a man's chest which for the record ohio this is just ridiculous but you couldn't and it wasn't like Nobody's naked on the covers of the books, right? Like you can't, Amazon won't allow nakedness on the covers. Barnes and Noble, like you can't be or naked. like this, like just shirtless. Dude. Nothing. We we on. It's blurry. Stop being blurry. Oh, I can't help it. Put it, my Put it in front of your face and shove it in the camera. <laughs> there we go. See, he's shirtless, but he's, he's wearing shirt pants. Yeah, exactly. Like you can see his Apollo's kind of yeah, whatever he's he dressed enough yeah. to go outside in public, so he should be allowed to be at a yeah. Golf. He could go gardening. Yeah, <laughs> but no, we had to put a shirt on him. Yeah, we had to put a shirt on him. 
That is so weird. It is like, like I live in Idaho and I, and Ohio is is general generally more progressive than Idaho and Idaho doesn't do that. Not when it comes to shirtless dudes. No, apparently not. That's so weird. <laughs> no, it's just, it, it's interesting because I think there are so many laws on the books that nobody actually brings up and goes, "Hey, we probably need to change this. This is dumb." Right. But alas, they had that. What's really the sh- funny the is short that post-its were cute though. So it's fine. Yeah. The short post-its. And then we just put, you know, are you 18? Ask me what's under my shirt. You know, like we've made a that lot is of absolutely fun. amazing and totally <laughs> adorable. And I would be there for that. Yeah. No, a lot of people laughed and picked up the books because it had really funny things like, about what you could and couldn't say. So, bleh, whatever. <laughs> you know, it I think it's I think anything having to do with um trying to censor books, which is a whole topic in this country is just a bit ridiculous at this Especially moment. Especially right now, like it's yeah. it's such a hot topic. It's so like um divided even in the author circles because, you know, you have the um the legacy, um, uh, what's the word? It starts with an E. Um, the, the people who own like really, really, um, old books, um, they're, they're things. Um, (laughs) I have finished a drink. I am sorry. I appreciate everything that is happening on this podcast right now. <laughs> but but the thing is, is you have these people changing text, actual yeah. text in a book, mm-hmm. as opposed to doing something like a content warning or something like that. And well, I think it's really smart, you know, from a publishing standpoint, I think it's very smart for authors to put trigger warnings now on books yeah. and not... Um, I don't think you a trigger warning is not that this is an LGBT book, for instance. A trigger warning is the book contains a rape scene or a you know molestation or violence or what you know, abortion. Like you can talk about the things that are legitimate, you know, you kill a dog, put that on your book if you kill a dog, because man, you'll end up on a website for killing a dog. Yeah. Never, yeah. Never. I know, but <laughs> People do kill dogs in books, and when they do, there's a website that is literally dedicated to um, listing movies and books that kill dogs. Oh, is it, it's oh. called isthedogdead.com. Oh, wow. Which, it's um, fine. You just, there's an audience of people, you can't kill the dog. It's worse than killing children in books. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have uh, a trigger warning for Erebus in which a... Um, a kitten gets threatened. But oh. my my How dare you threaten a kitten? How I dare know, you? Right? Everybody <laughs> hated the character that threatened the kitten. It's awesome. The kitten lives, the kitten ends up being um immortal and forever a kitten, um, which is awesome because who doesn't want an immortal kitten? True, true, true. <laughs> but at the same time, it's really, really heart wrenching to watch this this terrible character like grab the kitten and smash it into a table, and say, "You have to do this to make this kitten live," because we're running a test, and I want to see the results. 
Oh, yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing is that sometimes there are things that are said because they're communicating part of the story or where the character's coming from, but I don't think they should be censored. You should be warned. So if you don't want to read a book where a kitten gets threatened, then you know not to read this book because a kitten gets threatened. Like yeah, I'm down and, for that. And unfortunately, yeah. my publisher doesn't do trigger warnings, but that's the biggest one is a threatened kitten. Like well, if your publisher listens to this word of advice from another publisher, do trigger warnings. Yeah. yeah. Um, they you do get a lot, lot of, less flack from the audience when you do trigger warnings. Yeah, yeah. they do. A, you, don't, you don't get review bombed. No. And the other thing is, is they do a lot of um, lit RPG um, stuff and game lit, um, which is kind of a new up and coming kind of thing. And they're making a lot of money doing it, but their um, audience isn't my audience. Right. Yeah. No. My audience wants the trigger warning. That, a lot of audiences want the trigger warning. A lot of them, it's okay, but most of them want the trigger warning, even on normal stuff now, because, you know, it, I think it's, I actually think it's a sign that mental health is starting to be taken more seriously yeah. and people are acknowledging that there's an issue. I mean, this is a whole layer upon a layer here than with my whiskey that I'm I mean, to do. I, I've seen readers look at a trigger warning and they go, Oh, I'll definitely like this book. Like it's, they use it as like a, like a gauge of whether they'll like it too. Like if it has a thing in it. So trigger warnings are good in multiple ways. Agreed. It can kind of be like a, like a, this is what's coming up. Are you interested? And people be like, yes. Yeah. And you know what, in my query for beneath green, the book that I wrote very first in 2014, um, and I'm submitting to agents and small publishers right now, I actually put content warnings in my query. Mm -hmm. Like I have learned so much from publishing these books and I want to be better. Right. I want yeah. to, I want to make my audience respect me, make them respect me. I want my audience to respect me. And I want them to um, be comfortable reading what I've written. And so, I, I think that's brilliant, though. You know, be, it's, I don't know, it's the right way to look at. I'm drinking the blue drink now. Blue I appreciate purple. the blue drink. I want to know if that's going to stain your tongue at all. That That is. It doesn't. But the ice cubes, the, the pea flower tea, it will stain. Like, I have. Oh, you know has pea flower tea in a drink now is um first watch it's one of their breakfast drinks you can get pea flower tea oh mm. yeah, yeah um it doesn't really taste like much no no it's with other things at their thing too but i just thought that was kind of amazing pea flower tea yeah i mean it's it's great for dying drinks blue and i can get this really deep blue because i steeped it for like I don't know, like a good couple hours. And <laughs> then I had my husband throw it in ice cubes last night. And, uh, and so now I have like little blue ice cubes in my purple drink because Chambord is purple. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so. Okay. Bo, what are your actual book and stuff related questions? Since I, we went so left on all of our conversations, which I love. 
<laughs> oh, I'm having I so gotta, much. No, you don't. You're fine. I got to let Bo do some questions, <laughs> though, because I get in trouble for not letting her actually talk. She never lets me talk. It's okay, though. Is there a genre that you'd like to write but are afraid to write? Ooh, um, I am currently experimenting with a horror story. Um, I wrote, and and when I was a kid, I wrote a lot. And I loved R.L. Stein. So I wrote a lot of books, I wouldn't say books, stories and startings and ideas and whatever that were horror. And so I want to kind of go back to my roots and try to write horror. And I'm trying to write it in first person which requires a lot more interiority and it's so scary. It is so in like, am I doing it right? Am I, am I getting this character to say what I want them to say? Um, I recently had a workshop on the first two chapters of the book. Um, I've, I've written five chapters, Um, but uh, the reception was amazing. Apparently I did well (laughs) and it just blew my mind because I have been so scared about writing this book and um, experimenting with a new POV and experimenting with a new genre and, um, and, and doing something that I've, you know, not done as a whole book before. So. That's exciting. I write horror. I love horror. Ooh. Yeah. You, or it's it it's its own thing though because I think you know it's I love that Bo asked that question because she asks you know authors because there's a, a lot of authors who are very comfortable writing different genres but it's interesting reading authors who've mainly written one kind of genre writing another kind of genre and I give the example of Jonathan Mayberry who's a horror writer who uh, wrote a fantasy series. Um, The first one is called Kagan the Damned. I really enjoyed it. The second one came out, but it is really graphic. Like like you can see the horror part of like, it is absolutely fantasy. It's in a fantasy world. There's swords, there's magic. There's, it's really, but you, mm, you can tell his roots are in horror. Like (laughs) it's, it's that kind of thing. And I think it's interesting because I think that, it helps give people or, or stories a different sort of take on the genre. Like I, Jeff Strand, who's a friend of mine, he writes humorous horror, right? And he generally writes standalone novels, but they're funny. His books, they're they're, they're horror. There's graphicness in it. There's yeah, but there's humor in it, and that's a whole thing to be able to write humorous thing. And he wrote this novel, and. Unfortunately, published it under his name. And his audience was like, uh, you know, this is a good, but this is a romance book. Like, and he did it well, but you can see the elements to what he normally writes in that thing. So it's, it's, I think it's very interesting. Are you writing a sci-fi horror? No, I'm not writing a sci-fi horror, which, which is strange for me, not writing sci-fi. I am literally writing something that um, someone, said reminded them of a cross between um hill house and flowers in the attic is there just off of reading the first 
Sorry, what? Obsessed and imaginary ghosts. <laughs> yes, actually, I'm um, I'm I'm working with the idea of um, with the idea of you know um, people imagining ghosts or ghosts being real and um, and trying to play with the idea of like madness. I like it. And and the uh the main character, the the first person POV is a 18-year-old trying to graduate high school. So it's kind mm-hmm. of crossover adult. Very cool. I think I think that's cool. I want to read it. All right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I you know what's really interesting is you bring up Hell House and it I think most people have not actually read or listened to the haunting of Hill house, like the book that the original move, the movie was, ba- or the, Oh my God. TV Netflix show. television TV show, show was based on. Cause there was a movie called the haunting of Hill house, which was yeah. more similar to the book. Oh, really? I'm using quotations. Kinda. Kinda. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the book like, I feel like they did the spirit of it. The book is very different than the movie. I'm going to have to read the book because uh, if, I would audiobook it. Ooh, audiobook. Yeah, I would audiobook The Haunting of Hell House. So a friend of mine decided that th- that's what we were going to do. We were going to read slash listen to The Haunting of Hell House. And I did. And as somebody who had seen both of the movies at first, which also gives you a different perspective when you've seen the movies and the TV show and the TV show I think was utterly fucking brilliant. That show was terrifying. And I love it because it it wasn't terrifying because it was gross. Like I'm a huge fan of when you, there were some gross parts to it, but um, I love it when you do horror and it's not gore. I'm not a gore fan with horror, believe it or not. Really? I like it when it mentally fucks you up. Like a lot of my stories do have some gore in them, but most of them, if you read them, will mentally fuck you up. Like, <laughs> like, cause I think it's when you're pushed and you go, what would you do in that situation? Mm-hmm. Is I think that makes a huge difference. Like what lies beneath was another really good horror movie to me. Ooh, that's a good movie. I, I like it. Movie. Harrison Ford and Michelle Pfeiffer. And mm-hmm. that one was, it's suspenseful and you're waiting and it doesn't have just a ton of jump scares and it, you know, and it has something that when you weave through it, I just think is so brilliant and how it gets you there. And I felt like the TV show did that. So be prepared though, because the haunting of Hill house is much more about madness and you mm-hmm. leave the book going, was this real or not? Oh, I, I really want to read that book in right now. I am, I just finished. Um, I have it in front of me. Um, Louise Erdrich's uh, the sentence as well as Noah Lemelson's um, the rat, the lioness and the rat queen, two completely different stories. Like one is horror. One is spec fic. And um, I, like the sentence, it was so wonderful to read out of my genre. Like for once, it was interesting. It was um, inspiring even because I'm trying to write out of my normal genre. Mm-hmm. So um, 
Well, and one of the best things you can do is read a lot out of your normal genre by people who are writing um, in a similar way to what you want to write and how you want to communicate your story. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of the best things you can do is find not only the famous authors, but the not so famous authors that are writing and sort of breaking the genre rules because you can break genre rules. And especially when it comes to horror, I think horror, suspense, thriller, you know. My friend, Lindsay Murbaum, um, she wrote The Gold Persimmon. She does these classes on um, horror tropes like monsters and witches and ghosts that really challenge your idea of those tropes and makes you kind of widen your view about what a ghost is, what a monster is. And um, I'm actually really excited because I get to do the monsters class in July. And um, with that inspiration, um, we're reading Frankenstein and a bunch of like side stuff. But I've read Frankenstein like three times now because I'm um, I have a degree in creative writing and literature. And so um, that's just something that you read in college. And in high school. And there is another one that's very different than a lot of the movies portray that that to be the story of Frankenstein. Because people think it's the monster all the time. Well, look, that's Frankenstein. I'm like, oh, you still have not read the books. Like there is one that I cannot remember what it is that was really close to the book. And I wish I could remember what it is. It's probably Actually, it's probably in my college notes, the movie that I'm thinking about, but I haven't dug those out yet. Oh. And, I'm, and well, I'm, eventually you'll have to share with your fans when you dig them out what this is. Oh, I know. Right. Um, but it was really close to the book. The um, monster spoke like he does in the book. Right. And he spoke to the little girl, he and made friends with the little girl. And that's the big scene that I always remember in that movie is when he kills the little girl that he befriended. Yeah. And that scene in particular is not portrayed as, you know, a thing in most of the Frankenstein movies. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I'm really excited because it brings it brings some of my college research back, and um, and I can't I can't wait to read what like um, secondary readings she has for it. Um, there's another book, um, and I wish I remembered the author's name offhand, but it's a queer retelling of Frankenstein. And um, I bet you I can find that in a second. I have to start Discord um, to do that, though. So it's going to take Discord me. Discord pinging, incoming Discord pinging. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I try to close it during like all of these things. So As one should because incoming Discord and Facebook pings can happen. Yeah. Um, Is it unwieldy creatures? Yes. What's the author's name? Um, Addie Brooke Sigh. 
Yeah, that's that's it. Um, so like Monsters 2.0, we'll read that. But it's it's a great it's a great retelling, and I wish I could. Oh, look at sound <laughs> Discord. Oh my goodness, Discord is beeping. I'm turning Discord off. <laughs> Warned you. I actually got yelled at on my last, my other podcast, uh, Eerie Travels, because apparently Discord was going off. That was me. And people are like, I kept thinking it was my Discord. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, note to self, turn Discord off because apparently, woo, Discord. Yeah. Oh, um, I didn't turn Discord off either. Uh oh. Quit. Okay. We'll get yelled at, Bo. Got to turn, turn oh, no. Discord off. <laughs> so, but okay, okay. Oh my gosh, we have to wrap soon. Bo, do you have a final question before we wrap? Sure. What is the first line in your book? The first Which sentence. One? The first the first one. That one. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can't, I, I don't know it from memory anymore. Um Nyx hovered near the closed door to the command deck of a Thanatos. And like so that. it begins, don't and so it begins. Hello, Drinking With Authors fans. This is your host, Erica Lance. Because of the change of the format of the show, welcome to the literary briefs portion. Enjoy. Rapid fire questions. Are you ready, AJ? Yes. What is your favorite book of all time? Favorite book of all time is Dune. Mm. Oh. Yeah. Um, Something about the play of um, personality cult versus, you know, religion and, you know, all of the, all of the fantastical kind of elements. It's just kind of an amazing book. I agree. I concur. What is your least favorite book of all time? Okay. I have a problem with this question because I think authors should, um, support each other no matter what even though they don't like those the the books but here's the thing just because you say it it's not going to take it off the shelves or something and if people are listening going well i'm not going to read that because aj doesn't like it well you're a lemming if you're listening and doing that (laughs) this is just a question we all talk about our favorite not favorite books that just means it's something you didn't like it doesn't mean it's bad um he's a friend so i don't want to say it (laughs) give us a hint um it's also an uh aethon books um it's also produced by my my friend if you're listening you know who you are (laughs) i'm sorry that's okay that's okay why didn't you like it um it's very military and very um very space battle oriented and that's just not my kind of book no that makes sense it does it and here's the thing again it it can be your least favorite book can be for many reasons and i think people should understand that i said this um brooklyn knight who's an author posted a thing on linkedin and said what are some writing advice that you've heard right so i posted my favorite piece of writing advice that i had ever heard which is you can walk into a room of 100 people and 100 people may love your book 100 of them may hate your book but you have to find your audience because that doesn't mean every person you meet is going to be your audience or like your stuff and that's that's the biggest thing about writing is that you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people that think that book is their favorite book of all time, you know, 
you don't have to like it, but they do. I think it's more, when you say support other authors, you know, I look at it and go, I gave them the money for that book. I bought that book. I supported them. So even if I hate that book, I supported them a hundred percent by giving them money for the book. I totally bought the book too, because he's a friend and that is what friends do. Exactly. So that's what you a thousand percent supported him in the best way possible. You gave him money. So. And that's good friendship. That's good friendship. And well, I'm not the idiot. Always buy the books. Yeah. And I'm not the idiot that's going to pay money for a book and then burn it because I don't like it. Yeah. No, I think, you know, if you don't like a book, there are free libraries. There's all kinds of things you can do with a book that you don't like. Exactly. Yeah. And then you know? someone else might find it at the library and be like, this is my new favorite book. Exactly. And you know what? I think that that's, that's really great, except for the fact that I bought the ebook. <laughs> oh, that's true. Okay. Well, it doesn't matter. You have the book. Cool, cool, cool. Um, question. Next question is, uh, what is your favorite book that's been turned into a TV show or a movie? Like, where do you think they did a good job? Oh, that's a really hard question. How are you, how are you supposed to answer that? There's so many great movies. We love hard hitting questions here. I'm drinking with authors. <laughs> um, I'm going to say Dune for the most recent version. It's very good. I haven't good. seen it yet very because um, my boyfriend, when it came out, I've seen all the other. <laughs> you know what? There's a sci-fi tale version that's not bad either. Yeah. Well, he wanted to listen to the book. So we bought the book and we listened to it because we were doing a lot of uh, road trip driving. And when he, um, I was at a conference. So he's like, do you care if I watch it without you? And I was like, no, it's fine. And he watched it and he's like, you need to wait till the second one comes out because you're just going to get angry where it leaves off. He's like, you're going to love the movie, but you're going to get angry. So wait till the part two comes out and then watch them together. And he knows me well enough that I'm going to trust his advice he, on that. He's not wrong. You I'll know what? You I, I, I can respect that because if he knows you well enough, he loves you that much. Yeah, he does. He loves me that much. I appreciate him thoroughly. But that was a like when he told me that people have been like, do you want to? And I'm like, nope, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait just in case. There's another one that I really liked as a TV version, but not the book. And that's the Expanse series. A lot of people have said that. I haven't read the book, but I heard that it's very, very close to what the um, the show is very close to what the book was and that they did a good job. Yeah. You know what? I got to book three and I couldn't read anymore, but I watched all six seasons. Like oh, for some reason there was a, good, a disconnect. I just thought of a good question because I had a conversation with one of my authors earlier on this. What is the series that you think the author um, should have stopped writing? Ooh, that is a good question <laughs> george R. R. martin game of thrones hasn't he technically stopped he technically has done that yeah but they finished it and the ending is not great he oh. says that's not going to be his ending though he says he's like no yeah but i highly doubt that he's ever going to finish that series it's true he's not going to I don't, he's I doing his head about it I would not finish that series. I mean, with what happened with all of that, because I think not every person, but, you know, as a majority of people went series, you know, um, the seventh uh, series, you know, the seventh season, I'm looking for the right S word there, um, was interesting. 
And everybody was like, what the fuck is happening in the seventh season? And then eight, everybody can unilaterally agree, just fucking dumpster fire. But I think, you know, if I was him, I there's so much emotion about this now. You know what I mean? That has... I wouldn't want to go anywhere near it. If I was him, he, I would should just run it. away with his bags of money and just be like, you'll never see me again. Well, <laughs> you know, he, he, he just all did kinds it. of things. That's the he thing. He just yeah. did a video game. So yeah. Yeah. He's uh, it, one of the people he writes with is Melinda Snodgrass. And I, 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 you know, I even told her that I'm like, if I was him, I wouldn't finish that damn book. I would just walk away <laughs> because how do you finish it? What about one where you wish they had kept going and they stopped? Oh. You know what? Anne McCaffrey has this um like ongoing, like in-world kind of thing going on with the um companions and um all of that jazz. And I wish she'd write more of those. Because I love the fact that that is the first like queer experience that I have ever had in my life. And not to mention, you know, the, the companions and the, um, uh, I forget what they're called. Um, they're, they're the people that they bond with. Yeah. Um, they have a relationship that is very close to like a demi sexual or a demi romantic relationship that. I really, really um, related to, and I wanted that kind of friendship slash relationship slash, you know, romance as well. And I really think that, that I want more of, of those kinds of books. You should send her a message. She's very receptive to her fans. And McCaffrey died. Did Anne McCaffrey die? Am I thinking of something else? Uh, 2011. I'm looking this up. I don't believe you. Look it up. I'm also not spelling well. November 2011. Oh, that's sad. That's not who I'm thinking of. Who am I thinking of? Um, who did she write with? Um, oh, Margaret. Margaret. No. Who am are I you thinking, thinking of Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman? No, I'm thinking somebody else. I was just having a conversation about this other person today. That's too sad <laughs> that she died. Oh my God, who am I thinking of? Never mind. I'll think of it in a minute. Too much. You know whiskey. what? There, there is a series of books that I can't remember the name of that she wrote with someone else, or maybe that was Mercedes Lackey. That's who I'm thinking of. Mercedes Lackey. She's still alive. Loves to hear from her fans. That's who I was thinking of. Didn't they write together on the Dragon Riders of Pern? I don't, let me look. I'm do kidding. do some music or something while you I look know this what? Up. Like, it's not Anne McCaffrey that I was thinking of. It was Mercedes Lackey. Mercedes Lackey is alive and loves to hear from her fans. I was just talking to somebody who was talking to her the other day. So I'm talking about her books obviously because you know take a thief and exiles honor and she co-authors with andre norton for I'm telling the you, reach out conference. to her she loves to hear from her fans oh that would be to awesome be fair, Anne mccaffrey and mercedes lackey wrote a book together it's called I'm the, 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 what book? 
the ship who searched they wrote it together see i know my drunken gnome knows these things <laughs> they just find the wrong post-it sometimes <laughs> they just come up with a post-it and they're like are this what you're looking for and i'm like yeah sure and then i'm like no that wasn't what i was looking for go find the right thing i am so reading that book next the ship <laughs> who searched the, because- the ship who searched yes okay okay so, that is in the tongue twister when you're a little bit yeah <laughs> yeah there's many tongue twisters what is your favorite weird food combination weird food combination um you know what i'm a real big fan of like asian style and asian fusion so mm-hmm. just about any kind of like combination of of asian whatever so um smoked salmon and nori like salted nori is amazing. Um, and that's about as weird as I get, to be honest. Well, I'm okay. so I'm so not weird when it comes to food. What is your favorite <laughs> writing snack? My writing snacks? Yeah. Um, I love apples and cheese. Oh, I love apples and cheese. I also love apples and peanut butter and cheese and peanut butter. People think I'm weird. Yeah, when I say peanut butter. Oh my God. So you lost me. You lost this, me. My, okay. Hear me out. Cause I'm going to throw a weird food. I'm going to help you with your weird food combination. My boyfriend thought I was nuts. The other day we were at his parents' house and he's like, I'm like, I'm going to go get a snack. Do you want something? He's like, what are you getting? And I'm like, I'm making myself a peanut butter and cheese sandwich. And he's like, what? And I'm like creamy peanut butter. I'm like just normal, like white bread with, um, a couple of nice slices of cheddar cheese bro and he's like uh sure make me one of those and he had this look on my fa- his face like he was gonna throw it at me or something it was bad and anyway, he like it though he you know what it. one of my favorite breakfasts is a bagel with eggs and bacon and cheese and peanut butter Ew. Why? Because peanut butter is salty and it's creamy. I'm it's, telling it's you, a, right, Bo, I'm, I'm making a list of things I'm subjecting you to at the next con we're at. Oh. You know what the thing is, is I, I was very surprised. Like originally it was supposed to be a joke. Um, my husband's family owned a restaurant at one point in time and their chef was like, oh, this is, you know, this is a prank. And he gave me this thing with um tomato on it i pulled the tomato off and i ate the whole thing it was like amazing i'm telling you people underestimate the the peanut butter because it's salty and a, a lot of times peanut butter has a sweetness to it too and then you put it on the cheese that doesn't have i'm i'm telling you dipping little sticks of cheddar cheese in peanut butter is like one of my favorite things I am so going to try that now because you know what? I really love that bagel with peanut butter thing. Yeah. See, Bo, you're shaking your head, but I'm telling you, you got to try this. And my husband is absolutely like he, he hates the idea. He won't even try it. So, you know, I get where Bo is coming from. (laughs) I, Hey, my other half is like, okay, you're making it, whatever. I'm going to try it. This is what he likes to say. He's like a free sandwich. Okay. Well, I will make different, like I'll get recipes and I'll try them, right? And especially crockpot. I'm a huge fan of crockpotting things because time. Um, and like I made a pork thing the other day that was like supposed to be a smothered pork, you know, whatever, pork chops. And he literally ate it and he's like, 
yeah. So on this, the chef, he goes to the chef. Um, I don't think this is a repeat. <laughs> And it's not at me because it's a new recipe. I just followed the recipe, but he's like, this is not. He's a like, repeat. tell him a crock pot. This is not happening again. My this dad is, is, yeah, my dad is really picky about what he eats. He really hates pasta. He is not a big fan of pizza, um, like, like carb heavy things. He's just not a big fan of, but when he likes something, he's like, he doesn't say anything. He doesn't say he likes it. He says, this is a repeat. Yep. That's what he says too. He'll be like, this is a repeat. I would like this chicken again. And I'm like, okay. And so now I've had to actually kind of, I'm like a throw stuff in together and sometimes like grab what's in the fridge. Now I've been very conscious of like, okay, if I'm making something, what did I put in that thing to make it? Cause there's was two dishes. He's like, oh my God, this is awesome. And I'm like, eh, I have no idea what I put in <laughs> I've done that before with my husband. I'm like kitchen sink stew. And he's like, I love it. And I'm like, I don't know what I put in it. I can't repeat this. You're like, cool, cool, cool. (laughs) Savor what's in your bowl. Cause that's all you get. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. It's rare. So you gotta like it. Yeah. Okay. Bo question. What is your Starbucks order? You know what? I like a dry cappuccino with oat milk what is a dry cappuccino um it's basically less the foam okay see i just say no foam by the way every starbucks drink the answer is no foam to me because i feel like that much of the cup is foam so i just always say Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. And and um oat milk has this like inherent sweetness that you don't really need to add any like sweetener or flavor or anything like that. So I I very much enjoy my dry cappuccino with foam or without foam, you know, with oat milk. So it what um and I'm gonna say this correctly because people keep answering it wrong, so I'm not saying it right. What literary universe would you want to go into well and live to live um mercedes lackey's um companion universe i don't remember what she calls that um in her books we're googling in case anybody's wondering what's happening Yes, exactly. Um, I was just like, doing visit. You're forcing people to live there. There's some places I'd love to visit. I don't <laughs> want to live there, Bo. Like, 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 like. There's, there's like. There's you have like, to go there. You can't. Listen, I want to go through the freaking wardrobe, but I'm not staying in Narnia. <laughs> Fuck that shit. Oh no, and 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 the the um overt references to like religious stuff just bothers me. Even though I love yeah. the books. Yeah, well, um, um, Narnia seems a little preaky. Uh, yeah, well, they were very much. They found religion. Him and um, uh, that lion. Yeah, he knew yeah. about. Yeah, mm-hmm. he found God. Not that he was missing, but he found him. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I really like the um kind of Valdemar companion world in Mercedes Lackey's kind of. See, you're gonna have to tell her that when you write her too. What yeah. about um, where would you like to visit on planet Earth if you could go anywhere? Money. I want to go to India. 
Like off the top of my head, I have always wanted to visit India, okay. especially during Holly. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. What about um, if you could have lunch or dinner with any, are you going to say Mercedes Lackey? Because I swear to God, if we're going to. And McCaffrey, <laughs> Mercedes Lackey, Ursula Le Guin, Octavia Butler. Can I have all of them? I guess you can have like the view and just have the. Entire- <laughs> Everyone around a big table. Yes. Um, yes. N.K. Jemison actually would be a great dinner companion. Like, cool. I, I love her Broken Earth series. Awesome. Have you got to meet any of your um, literary heroes in real life? Um, there is a gentleman by the name of Michael Mamey, And he has been what I would call a mentor for me through this whole, like, publishing and querying and writing process since 2014 and he writes the planet side series and apparently he's got some other books out recently and he's working on a um, generation ship kind of book soon as well he i got to meet him um mostly via internet but we talk occasionally on twitter and he is just one of the most amazing and supportive and um, knowledgeable people that I have ever met. The reason why I went with the publisher I went with was because he recommended thing. Um, read my book it's so much fun on things, you know? Tell them what the impact that you're
What is your least favorite genre and why? Oh, well, that's the last question. I'm glad you're yeah. drinking her drink. Jesus. I know. I'm, I, I saved it for last on purpose. You're mean. Why are you asking me that? Because I don't. <laughs> Again, authors should support each other. Um, but honestly, my is probably contemporary. It's just that, you know, um, a lot of times it assumes we know what the setting is and the world building is and all of that jazz. And as a science fiction writer, I have to explain my world. I have to tell you what this world looks like, looks like, excuse me. And as a result, I expect all genres to do that, right? Um, if you're writing contemporary and you're in a coffee shop, I want to know, you know, what the barista is doing. I want to know what the counter looks like. I want to know what the character feels about the table they're at. Mm -hmm. And you don't get a lot of that in contemporary. You get a lot of introspection and um, interiority, which is which is great. But I want, I like more grounding. That makes sense. Okay. Um, I'm going to ask you something nice to end with since <laughs> Bo is a meanie. Basically. <laughs> um, what advice would you give to young authors out there or new authors, I should say, because it has nothing to do with age. Um, young okay. blossoming in the world of being an author. What would you, what advice would you give? New authors? Yeah. It's a hard 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 like world of publishing like you get told no a lot you need to persist you need to develop a thick skin so you can keep on going I know a lot of people who get really disenchanted very quickly because they get a lot of no's for query you know responses but the thing is, is you have to keep going. And the only way you're ever going to see something you love, something that you wrote, part of your heart, out in the world, is if you persist. Very true. Very, very true. I love it. Okay, shameless self-promotion time. How do people find you? Okay, I am at All Brevity Wit on Twitter at Angela J. Super on Instagram and TikTok. And um, you can find my newsletter at um, sword, sword fights and spaceflights.substack.com. And what else? Oh, I am at ajsuper.com. Um, that's my website. And you can find me on Amazon. Just Google Erebus Dawning and you'll find the pretty purple cover and you can um buy my book there <laughs> very very cool thank you so much for being on the podcast with us i really enjoyed it like i've had so much fun we're so glad guys this has been drinking with authors the literary briefs edition don't forget to like subscribe post leave comments we'd love to hear everything from you um, well, almost everything, you know what I'm talking about. Um, my co-host has been the amazing Bo Lake. Our guest has been AJ Super, and we will see you guys next time. <laughs>